All right, church, if you would, grab your Bibles. We are going to turn to the book of John. And today we're going to be finishing up chapter 10. Today we're going to be finishing up chapter 10, and um, this is, you know, I mean, you all hear me say this all the time. I hope you all are ready. Like, I get excited when I preach. I don't know if you all have noticed. Um, Maybe once or twice I've gotten slightly loud, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not saying that today is going to be one of those days, but it could be. Um, We're going to be looking... Uh, like I said, they're at the, the last part of chapter 10. And if, you're, if your Bible has those headers, it says, I and the Father are one. And there's a reason that I get excited. And it's because, it's because Jesus is so stinking cool. He just is. He's a cool guy. Um, he, and I don't say that with any disrespect. It's, it's just that he is so amazing. And the way that he approaches the people that he deals with, specifically the Jewish leaders, he does it with such poise. You know, you, you see the way that he interacts with people. And you know, a lot of times when Jesus is approached by these Jewish leaders and they come in him and they're, and they're asking him questions, what is it that he typically does? He responds with a question for them, doesn't he? He responds with such wisdom, with such um, with such grace and power, and it's so sincere. And then I watch myself as I respond to people on Facebook, and I'm like, geez, Louise, like I'm not even close. I mean, how many of you all have, have been asked questions on Facebook and you just like lost it? Come on, there's more of you than that, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's this idea that, that when we don't have to look somebody in the face, it's really easy to give an answer, isn't it? If I don't have to look at you, all I have to do is this. I can say whatever I want to you, can I? But if i got to look you in the eye, it's something different altogether. But here's the beauty of this, is that Jesus, he was nose to nose with these people, looking them right in the face. And he was telling them truth, truth that was undeniable, number one. It was undeniable. And it was the fact that, that how he approached things. And it's something that we can all learn from. And that's my hope, is that we can learn something today in the way that Jesus continues to interact with people. So we're going to be reading um, from uh, verses 22 to 42. Like I say, we're going to be finishing out um, that portion of the the chapter. So take a look at that with me now. It says, At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So when the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. 
I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up some stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. If if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away and again crossed the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained, and many came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Now, a little fun fact for you. If you, as you may have read there at the beginning, um, it talks about at that time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. If you're not sure what that is, that's Hanukkah. That's what that is. Um, that's Hanukkah, basically just as a super little side note. Prior to 165 B.C., um, Antiochus uh, Epiphanes, uh, the Greco-Syrian uh, ruler who took control of the temple in Jerusalem, um, he basically forced the Jewish people to bow down to idol gods, with a lowercase g on there. Um, He defiled the temple. He went into the temple, and he defaced it. He uh, sacrificed the pig. He spilt blood all over the altar. Um, He spilt pig's blood all over the holy scrolls. So he defiled the entire entire temple. Um, He just went in and wreaked havoc on anything and everything that the Jewish people believed, loved, or felt about their Lord God. And because of this, there was this religious army of freedom fighters who came together. And this group of freedom fighters, um, they were led by this guy named Judah Maccabee, who rose up, they, and then they just simply, you may have heard of them, they're called the Maccabees. That's, that's who this, this group of people were. And so they all came together, they went through about a three-year battle, and then they won victory over Antiochus and the Syrian control. So then the temple was again cleansed. It was cleared out of all the Greek idolatries, and it was rededicated in uh, 165 B.C. on the 25th day of the Hebrew month called Kislev. And that's where you get Hanukkah, just in case you weren't sure. So just a little simple fun fact for you. Um, that's what we're talking about here when it says the Feast of Dedication. Um, you'll notice that it says that it was in winter. It typically falls in the month of December. So that's what is being talked about there, just so that we can put it into perspective and know of the time frame and what it is that we're, that we're speaking of. So it talks about how this, you know, they're at this Feast of Dedication. It's in Jerusalem. It's wintertime. Jesus is there. He's in the temple. And it says that the Jews then gather around him, and they ask him. It's a very simple question, isn't it? How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, then just tell us plainly. They just want to know. 
They're asking a very simple, pointed question, aren't they? The problem is that in their question is malice. They are looking for a reason to come against Jesus Christ. They are looking for any reason at all to come against him. They want nothing more than to arrest him and to kill him. So they come to him, they ask him this question, and what we do know is that Jesus has made it known. There's different places that we can see just here in John that we have gone through up to this point. In the first chapter of John, um, John the Baptist comes along and he says, I have seen and bore witness that this, meaning Jesus, is the Son of God. There's already been a proclamation made by John the Baptist that Jesus is the Son of God. John 4 says, uh, when he was talking to the woman at the well, he says, um, I know, or she says to him, she says, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to tell us things. And then this is what Jesus said to her. And you've got to understand that when Jesus spoke back then, because of the things that he was speaking, it went everywhere. You didn't just tell this one person and that's where it stopped. When Jesus spoke, it spread. The good news was moving all over the place. And what Jesus said to her was, I who speak to you am he. She said, you know, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. He says, I who speak to you am he. That sounds pretty plain, doesn't it? In John chapter 5, Jesus says, The very works that I am doing bears witness about me that the Father has sent me. In John chapter 8, he says, You are from, be you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world, meaning that he has come from somewhere that we can't. John 8, 24 continues uh, and says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That's a pretty bold claim, isn't it? Doesn't that, that doesn't seem like Jesus is, is sort of skirting around the issue, does it? He's not beating around the bush. He says, unless you believe that I am he, meaning the Christ, you will die in your sin. It's very blunt. It's very pointed. These people, these Jewish leaders, knew what Jesus was saying. In John 8, 58, Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And those two words, those two words, I am, are the words that, the God, that God the Father spoke to Moses. During, right there at the burning bush. When he said, what am I supposed to tell people? Who, when they ask, who are you that, that sent me? God responded to Moses and said, I am. The Jewish leaders knew what this was. They knew what they were asking. And here they keep saying, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Are you the Christ? Just tell us plainly. I've only taken you through the first eight chapters of John that we have studied up to this point. Jesus has made it very clear. Has he said specifically, I am Jesus Christ? No, but he has given them much indication. But then this is where, again, I said Jesus is so amazing. He says in verse 25, Jesus answers them. He says, I told you. You're asking me this question. Like, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Are you the Christ? And he says, I told you. Clear out your ears and listen. 
Don't pay attention. That's our problem as people. We don't pay attention. We don't read what God's Word says, and then when we do read it, we like to take it and bend it to use it to our own advantage and agenda, don't we? We love to say, God's Word will conform to my way instead of God's Word being what we conform to. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to make God bend to us. He is the potter. We are the clay. He will form us and guide us and create us however he chooses and sees fit. It's just the way that it is. So Jesus answers them. He says, I told you, and yet you do not believe. He says, the works that I do, I do in my Father's name. They bear witness about me. You don't believe me because, he says, you're not my sheep. Now, you know, when we spoke on this last week, we were talking all about the sheepfold and, and how Jesus is, um, he is the shepherd of the, of, the, of the sheep. And he says, you know, my sheep know and hear my voice. And that's what he says here in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And get this, he says, they follow me. He says, I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. If this isn't plain enough for the Jewish leaders, nothing will be. He says, I give them, not God gives them, he says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand, is what Jesus says. Not, not God's hand, he says, no one will snatch them from my hand. He says, my father who has given them to me, meaning I have been given authority. I have been the one put in charge. Anything and everything here on this earth now belongs to me. I am the guy. He's making very pointed statements here. My father who has given them to me, he says, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the, out of the father's hand. And then... And I wish I had a microphone in my hand right now because I would totally drop this thing. He says, I and the Father are one. That is a mic drop moment. When he looks at those Jewish leaders in the face and he says, I and the Father are one, that's it for them. They've just lost their mind. They have probably tearing at their, their tunics. That they're just going insane at what Jesus has spoken to them. Jesus starts it off and he says, I told you, but you don't believe. That's a lot of people in this world, isn't it? There's a lot of people in this world that have heard the name Jesus Christ, who have even heard the gospel, who have heard that, that we are all sinners and that we all fall short of the glory of God. Amen? That's who we are as people. We are sinners. We're not good. We're not perfect. We're not right. We're not any of those things except by the grace of God. It's the only way that we can be good. It's the only way that we can be right. It's the only way that we can, that we can even make any sort of a, an effort to do good in this place. It's because of the grace of God. Jesus is speaking very pointed and he tells them, he says, I told you, you don't believe. A lot of people have heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and they just still don't simply believe. For me, it, it, I mean, those of us who are believers in this room, many of us are probably like, 
I don't, I don't get it. Like, what else is it going to take? Like, I'm laying some things out, and, 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 and I'm hoping that it can be grasped enough that you would see the importance of, of knowing who Jesus Christ is because he just told you. He says, I give them eternal life. I do. Jesus me, not me. I can't give you anything. You're not getting anything good for me except a long sermon. But he says, I give you eternal life. He says, they won't perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if you have truly accepted, and I say that word, it, 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 just, just like underline the word truly. If you have truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can never be snatched out of his hand because you belong to him. You've been an adopted child into the kingdom. You're an adopted son or daughter. You're an heir. You cannot be removed. I don't care how hard someone tries to pull at you or pull you away if you belong. We have a saying that a lot of people in this, um, that are not Southern Baptists, they don't like because there's this idea that goes out there. It says, once saved, always saved. That's a terrible saying. It's terrible. I hate it. I don't like the saying, once saved, always saved. But you know what it should be? If saved, always saved. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to Jesus. You can't be taken away ever by anyone. Satan, try as he may, cannot take you from the hand of Jesus Christ, your Savior. He will not be able to take you from the hand of God, your Father. You are safe, you are secure, and you have a victory over death. You have what's called eternal life. But if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are doomed to hell. It is that simple. It is very black and white. I don't know how to make it any more clear. You either believe in Jesus or you don't. Now, I've gone over this before. It's, Jesus Christ is the only way. And there's things that we can talk and discuss to, to understand what that actually means. And, and we talked about this before. I firmly, firmly believe that Jesus meets everybody where they are. Because it says that he is patient. Very patient. It's the reason he hasn't come back today. You look around at the world that is out there today, you might be like me, scratching your head and going, why aren't you coming yet? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, like, can it get any worse? Look at the things that are going on in the world today around us. Does it not resemble Sodom and Gomorrah? And I'm not just talking about homosexuality. If that's all you think Sodom and Gomorrah is about, open your eyes. Clear out your ears. It says that those people, while homosexuality was a part of it, they were doing all the sins. They were sinful people with emphasis on the full. They weren't just committing a sin. We like to put value on sin. You'll hear me preach this over and over and over. Homosexuality is no worse a sin than you telling a lie. If you've ever told a lie, you are a sinner and you are bound for hell unless you have received the grace of Jesus Christ, your Savior. Don't put value on sin because God doesn't do that. God says sin is sin. That's the reason it says for all fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. We all fall short. The bottom line is, is that here Jesus Christ is telling us a better way. He says, I told you, you don't believe. All he can do is tell you, 
all I can do is tell you. All I can do is share with you what this says. You're either going to believe or not. It's because we have this thing called free will. There's people that will tell you, oh, well, there's, you know, God's elect and there's only so many that are going to go and God's pulling the strings and you're just like a puppet being guided and pulled and, and whatever. I believe that we have complete and utter free will. There's a whole larger discussion around that, around how that works. If you're ever interested in my ideas around that, I welcome you to, to corner me and I'm happy to talk about that. But what I'm telling you is that you have a choice. You can choose Jesus or you cannot. It's that simple. It's black and white. There's no fence riders that will be in heaven. You believe or you don't. You believe in God the Father. You believe in Jesus Christ the Son. You believe in the Holy Spirit. You either believe or you don't. Because Jesus and the Father, they bear witness of each other. That's the first thing that I want you to hear and understand. That Jesus and the Father, they bear witness of each other. Jesus, who raised himself from the grave who has the power now to give others eternal life. He's the one that you have to belong to. Jesus and the Father, they are the ones who give this eternal life. And Jesus here references his sheep. He says, those that don't believe, they're not my sheep. They don't belong to me. They don't hear my voice. They don't follow. But the ones who are my sheep, they hear me. They know my voice, and they will follow. So have you heard the voice of Jesus speak to you? Now, that may happen differently for each of us in this room. You may have a completely different story than the person sitting next to you. Mine was a vision given to me. Clear as day. I can see it in my eyes. If I close my eyes, it's right there. I can, like, grab it. The Lord spoke to me through a vision that I had, and he said, this is what I have for your life. Will you follow me? And I fought that vision for a long time. I've told you all about that. Many of you, if you haven't heard that story, come and corner me again for on that one. I'm happy to share my testimony. For some of you, maybe it was that still, small voice that spoke to you in your heart that said, hey, I'm knocking. Will you open the door to receive me? Maybe you were a person who, who, like me, when you got saved, you were struggling, like your seat felt like it was on fire. And you didn't want to get up. You didn't want to come forward. You didn't want to go and talk to the preacher as he stood at the end of service and just stood there with all those gazing eyes upon you because you felt embarrassed. Maybe you felt like, I'm not worthy to come up and to receive the Lord Jesus Christ because of the things that I have done in my life. Maybe, maybe that's who you are. But you know what Jesus Christ says? I came to save everybody. I came to save those who would believe in me. I came for everyone. And he died on that cross. It says once for all. He died once for all. And you know who it included? It included the Jews and it included the Greeks. It included the Gentiles. It included everybody. It's the reason that Paul, who is the biggest writer that we have in the New Testament gospel, who, who was the person that said, I have to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and I've got to take that to the Gentiles. And then somebody like Peter said, are you crazy? Why would you do that? And he said, because the Lord blinded me on my way to Damascus. 
The Lord blinded me so that I could see. Does that make sense? Does it make sense to be blinded to the point where now you can see? Because it should. Because sometimes we like to take and cloud things. We like to focus so much in on this one thing. We like to be followers of the law. We want to say, this is it. And we like to do that. And if we're like the Jewish people, there's 600 and some odd laws that we have. That we have to say, this is it. You can't deviate. Well, how many laws did the Lord give us? It was 10. And we fail miserably at just those. Why add on the extra 600 plus? If you can't just follow sin, temple, very simple Ten Commandments, what's the point of the other 600? To prove that you're a failure? Guess what? I can tell you right now, I'm going to take all away all the, you're a failure. Now feel free, be happy, and go home. Right? We're all failures. I'm a failure. I'm standing up here before you as your pastor. I fail. I'm not perfect. I'm not righteous. I'm not anything that Jesus Christ hasn't done for me. Everything that I am, I owe to him. Everything that I will ever be, I owe to him. Everything that I do is because of him. And the hope is is that I can do it good. The hope is that I can do it right. And the hope is that I can bring him glory and honor in the process. And part of that is preaching to you guys. Part of that is living my life in a Christian way that reflects who Jesus is and the things that he has done for me and for you. We are called to live a certain way. But the problem is, is that just like Jesus pointed out, he says, I tell you and you don't believe. So what's it going to take? What proof do you need? What more proof do you need than the fact that we have tons of witnesses? of the things that Jesus has done. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you hear and follow his voice? Jesus and the Father are there to protect their flock. And in in Romans chapter 8, it says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? I'm asking, church, do you believe that? That's terrible. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Can we get a little bit excited about who Jesus is? Can we get excited about the fact that His Holy Spirit is here in this place and He is moving? Let Him hear you. That's the reason that we always say, lift up your voice and sing loud. Praise Him. Even if you've got a terrible voice like me, it says joyful noise. That's all He asks for. He doesn't say it had to be good. If your bucket's got a hole in the bottom, He don't care. My bucket's got a hole in the bottom. Listen. I'm trying to stress it as much as I can here so that we can understand. We have a choice of whether or not to believe, but here's one thing that I can tell you assuredly, that when Jesus Christ says in verse 30 is absolute 100% true. There are witnesses to this fact. The things that Jesus Christ has done in his life, there are witnesses to prove that the things that he has done are true. When someone commits a crime, We put people on the witness stand, don't we? 
It's what we do. We put people on the witness stand. We say, hey, did you see so-and-so go and do this? And then we believe the testimony of like one or two people, don't we? And we say, convict that person. He has done wrong. He has done whatever it is. We're going to believe this testimony. We have witnesses who have testified and who have wrote it about the things that are contained in this book more than 2,000 years ago. And we have found proof in those writings that says there are multiple witnesses, like over 400 witnesses who said they saw Jesus Christ after he rose from the dead. More than 400. We believe like two people who said that guy shot and killed so-and-so, convicting for the rest of his life. We got 400 witnesses that says we saw Jesus and I saw Uncle Bob when he rose too. Because all these people came up out of the grave when Jesus did. Do you think all of them are smoking crack? No. They're not. Maybe a couple, but not all of them. Listen, the testimony of Jesus Christ is assured. You can believe what it says. There are all these people who saw him. You got his disciples that saw him walk on water. You got, you got all these people that saw him heal the lame man, the, the, the beggar. You got people that we just talked about how Jesus spit on the ground and turned it into mud and he made a man see who had been born since he was blind. You know how many people had given this guy money? Did I just say that backwards? You know what I meant, church. I told you I'm not perfect. <laughs> Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Truth. That is truth. And that's the reason that the Jewish people there lost their minds. It says they were going to then pick up stones. They wanted to stone him again, it says. They were angry because of what Jesus has just said. I and the Father are one. This wasn't the first time, though, that they wanted to stone Jesus. In John chapter 8, um, Jesus had told them, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham, I am. Remember, he said those words, I am. They picked up stones then to stone him, but Jesus hid himself. I want you to understand this. you got a bunch of capable Jewish leaders who are ruling an entire group of Christian people. Well, I mean, Jewish people, I mean. They, Jesus is right there. He just said, I am. They went, ah, started ripping their tunics, and they reached down, and they grabbed a rock, and they came back up, and he was gone. These are not just Joe Schmoes down the road. These are the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, all of these well-to-do, godly people. They lean down to grab a rock, and they come back up, and Jesus is now hidden. He's gone. Where did he go? Remember, Jesus is fully man, isn't he? He's also fully God, and his time had not yet come. It wasn't time for him to die. And so all of a sudden, he's gone. Poof. That's what happened. And you have witnesses to bear to that fact. The Jewish leaders, the people that hated Jesus, said he was gone. Who else can do that? So here we are now. They're going to pick up rocks. They're going to try to stone him again. And when, they, when Jesus this time sees them go to pick up a rock, he goes, I'm not running this time. Because now it's time to take a stand, isn't it? He says, uh, question for you. 
Remember I told you oftentimes when people come against Jesus, he, he poses questions. He goes, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of those are you going to stone me? For which one? Jesus turned water into wine, healed the official son, he's healed a paralytic man, fed more than 5,000 people. When you look at it in reality, it's like well over 10,000 people if you're counting uh, you know, husbands, wives, and then you throw children into the mix. Well more than 10,000 people he fed with five loaves and two fish. Tell me who else can do that. Yeah, like, like I said, when you're talking about witnesses to the things that Jesus has done, you're talking about more than 10,000 witnesses that said he only had two fish and five loaves, for crying out loud. What proof more do you need? He walks on water, and then, as I wrongly said a minute ago, he healed a blind man. He's done miraculous things that no one else could do. How did he do it? It's because he and the Father are one. It's because Jesus Christ is the true Son of God. And here's the thing. I can sit here and I can tell you this, and I can, I can speak it till I'm blue in the face. Nothing I say is going to convince you. You know who is? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be the one that convinces you. The Holy Spirit is going to be the one that convicts your heart to say, you have to do this because it's life or death. We are given all of these examples. We are given all this proof. We are given everything that we could ever possibly need. But then Jesus hears them respond to his question. He says, they said, it's not because of good works that we're going to stone you not because of that it's because of blasphemy it's because of blasphemy because you are simply a man and you're making yourself a god now here's the crazy thing the jewish leaders who are who have been so upset about the fact that jesus has done all of these miraculous signs and wonders remember he healed the blind guy on what the sabbath right and they were angry about this. They were like, how dare you heal somebody on the Sabbath? How dare you? And then remember Jesus pointing out. He's like, well, which one of you all, if your you know, lamb or sheep fell into a hole, wouldn't get him out, right? And they were all like, well, okay, you got a point, because we would. He's like, well, then how much greater is it that I healed someone on the Sabbath? Meaning, don't give me the law that, he's like, I wrote the law. I know what it is. I know what I'm allowed to do. So they say we're not going to condemn you now for good works. They said, no, we're going to come at you because of blasphemy. And really all they're doing is they're showing their hypocrisy. They are more than happy to break the laws that they have as long as it appeals or appeases something that they want to do. Amen? Is that not who we are as a people? I'm more than happy to look you in the face and tell you a little white lie as long as it gets me ahead. Ain't I? Let's just be honest. Some of you have lied this week. You know you have. Even if it was tiny. You know what that makes you? A sinner. Period. That's what it is. That's who we are. Jesus tells him, he goes, all right, fine, I hear what you're saying. He goes, but is it not written in your law? He said, I said you are gods with a lowercase g. Which seems funny, doesn't it? That, that the Lord would say, back in Psalm 85, you are gods. And he was talking to the judges that were there during that time. All the, if you read through the book of Judges, you'll know who all those people are. 
and he called them gods with lowercase g. That's how it's written in Psalm 85. Or I'm sorry, Psalm 86. Psalm 86 is where that is. It's referring to these people that God has given human authority to bring his word. So he's saying, I gave you a word that I'm giving you authority to bring and share with other people. And because of that, God said you are lowercase gods. In other words, you are bringing a message from me to the people. And so the Lord is referring to them in this way. God's allowed to do that. It's his way. It's his law. The Jewish leaders, though, they don't care. Why? Because this doesn't fit their agenda. Sounds much like what you'll see in government today, doesn't it? It doesn't fit their agenda, so therefore they're going to fight and muck and they're going to do all kinds of craziness. So the Jewish leaders still want to stone Jesus simply because he is doing exactly what Psalm 86 describes. Because, again, he is fully man while he was here on the earth. Which does make him that lowercase g. Because why? He has all authority. He's able to come and do whatever needs to be done. And so Jesus then points out to them, though, he says, you know, Scripture can't be broken, can it? You can't say out of one side of your mouth that you got a hold to the law, you got a hold to the Scriptures, and then turn around and say that what I'm doing, exactly what Psalm 86 is describing, then you're going to call me blasphemous? Which side of your mouth are you speaking out of today? He's pointing out their hypocrisy. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That means that every single word contained in this good book is true. Every single word. Jesus tells them, he says, you know, look, I'm not doing this so that you'll believe me, right? He says, you know, if I'm doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me, he says. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe at least in the works that are being done, that God sent me to do the work. Because those are people, those, those Jewish leaders weren't even believing that. They were saying, oh, he's got a demon in him. He's got a demon. He's got a demon. But Jesus is saying, look, even if you don't believe, believe in the good works that are happening. He says, do that so that you may know and understand that the Father, though, is in me, and I am in the Father. Again, he's pointing to his deity. He's pointing to the fact that he and the Father are one. He's pointing to the fact that he is the true Son of God. He's making it obvious, obvious to the Jewish leaders. He is the Son of God. In verse 36, where Jesus said, you know, you all are claiming I am the Son of God, that's more of an implied statement. But Jesus puts it in writing for them in verse 38 when he says, The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. So it goes on the rest of the time there, and it talks about how they seek then to arrest him, but again, he escapes. You're talking about an entire group of people that are trying to arrest one man. But remember, it's not his time. His time has not yet come. He had even told his mother that whenever she said, Hey, Jesus, I need you to turn this water into wine. And he said to her, he said, woman, not yet my time. So he can't be caught. He can't be put on trial. He can't be crucified. Nothing can happen or even touch him because it's not time yet. 
So they seek to arrest him. He escapes from their hands. He goes away again to the Jordan where John the Baptist has been. And there he remains. And the people there said, look, everything that John the Baptist has been pointing to, everything that John the Baptist has been saying about this man, it's all true. My hope, my prayer today is that something I've said here today will strike you in a way that you'll believe it is true. But again, it's not for me to convince you. It's for the Holy Spirit to convince you. It's for the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. It's for the Holy Spirit to convict you. So as we leave today, or as we prepare to close up, just remember that Jesus and the Father, they bear witness of each other. They give eternal life. They protect their flock, and they are one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one. Let's pray together. So Lord, we come before you now. We give you thanks and praise that you have revealed yourself. We give you praise that you make yourself known even when we don't want to hear it. That you make yourself known as the true Son of God even when we try to close our eyes to it or we try to shut off our ears so that we don't hear it. Lord, your word's been spoken here today. Not by me. I'm talking about your word given to us from your holy word given to us from the Bible. We have read from your word, and that is you speaking. We thank you for that. We thank you for giving us everything so that we can hear and so that our hearts can be affected. So we ask now that you would send your Holy Spirit to do the work we know only you can do. That you would, that you would put a conviction upon us, that you would, that you would help us to, to hear and help us to see and help us to understand that we have got to trust you with our lives. And if we do that, we will find eternal life, that no one will be able to snatch us from your hand. God, I pray there's anyone here that doesn't know or understand that lord that they would take that step today they would they would look to you that they would they would seek to follow you we put it all into your hand we ask for your help we ask for your guidance transform our hearts so that we can become more like you in every way every single day help us to place our focus upon you help us in in all the ways that you are moving, in all the ways that you call us to simply answer the calling upon our lives. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and ask you all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.